Good morning. It's good to be home. Uh, for those of you that hang out with me, I have a tendency, not boasting or anything, I would probably say it's favor or good fortune um, that follows me all the days of my life. And uh, it's kind of, kind of known. I get this uh, only you, Rusty, type thing. But um, we went on the, this cruise, and Chloe and Corey and my sister got to join us, but Chloe came from Nashville, and her bag didn't make it. You probably saw the whole thing on her news feed or whatever, or Snapchat, whatever she does. Uh, <clears throat> but So we get there, and then Saturday morning she doesn't have her medication that she needs. So we're, they're loading up the buses to go to get on the ship. We've actually got three buses that transport the whole speaking crew and bands and everything like that. And I just told them, I said, hey, we're going to miss the bus because we got to go over to Walgreens and get Chloe's prescription transferred and filled and da-da-da-da-da. And they're like, okay, well, make it on the ship. No problem. So we went over there, and Michelle and her got the prescription transferred and done. And while we're, uh, as we're leaving, we literally walk out the door, and the third bus is driving by. And I just step out in the street and stop it. <laughs> and we get on the last bus. And of course, everybody on there is like, only you would have the last bus drive by at the right time. And, uh, but the, the thing is, uh, my daughter began to, you know, when you get old, I did turn a year older on the trip. As you get old, they begin to like record or make fun of your oldness. And so while I was in the pharmacy waiting for her prescription to be filled, I thought, hey, you know, I could use some reading glasses that I can put in my pocket, you know, like this. And so I bought these little things here, and they're kind of cool, you know, me and gadgets and stuff. But I was trying them on. See, you're watching me do this. They're foster grants. I can't see you now because they're reading glasses. But uh, she posted on Snapchat, and she was, she was laughing at the way that I was, like, looking at them in the mirror <laughs> with them on and everything. And I realized that, hey, I am getting old, and she's going to continue to make fun of me as I get old. So uh, it's all good. But the reason I tell you that is because uh, I have pretty good eyes for being 56 years old. Uh, I don't wear any corrective lenses other than this to, to read, but uh, I'm very fortunate and, and blessed in that sense, and the whole reason I tell you that is because I'm talking about Paul, and Paul did not have the same fortune. He had some kind of eye issue. He had some kind of... Uh, it, I, we, we really don't know. As people who study the Word, including yourself, we really don't... There's a couple of things that we don't know. We don't know if it was his eye issue that, that caused it to be so bad that people were grossed out about it, but he goes, you loved me even when I was unlovable. Like there was something nasty going on with Paul that most people wouldn't touch him or be around him or things like that, and we assume that it may have been some kind of eye issue that he was having. And then the other thing that we really question, which I, I've personally come to settle on is he's, he, he mentions 
two or three times in the scripture that there, he has this thorn in his side. Like there's something that is constantly bothering him throughout his life. Some people believe it was a sin issue that followed him and that he couldn't overcome this specific sin issue. Some of them believe it was the eye issue. I believe it was the Judaizers. It was the fellow believers, those that believed that Jesus was the Son of God and that he died for them, and they believed in Jesus as the Messiah, but they still had this false teaching about them that they wanted to add circumcision and calendar stuff and food restrictions, and they wanted to add all these laws to this message that Paul was teaching. And everywhere that he would go and teach freedom and grace, they would come alongside behind him and teach something different. Yeah, what Paul's teaching is great, but let's add this to it. He's not one of the true disciples. He's not one of the original 12. So we are, and let's add to it. And so, to me, that would be frustrating. When I was actually teaching this week, I taught Galatians chapter 3, the difference between the Spirit and the law. And, you know, you hear all week long, hey, that's a great message, great message. I'm not really, you know, I'm not into that. I'm not into the whole great message thing. What I am into is them processing. And a few of them would say, we don't hear that back home. What you, what you were teaching today about being free of the law and in the Spirit, that's not taught. I wish our pastor would teach what you teach, and which is a great opportunity for us in this ministry to be able to get out there and, and teach that. The, the beauty of it this whole week is the musicians and the speakers, they all teach the same message. And that was the joy for us this week is just to get up and, and see men and women hopefully set free, not by our words, but by the Spirit moving inside of them. So Paul has now done the same thing in this letter to the Galatians. We're coming to the very end, the last few verses that we'll talk about in chapter 6 here the, today. And he has passionately said, hey, go back to what I taught you originally what the, the Spirit has taught you. Forget all this stuff that these Judaizers have come in and said and disqualified what we've said. We've gone through the arguments. We've gone through every, the personal, the Scripture. We've done everything we can. Now Paul, who has an eye issue, takes the pen in his own hand. And if you know if you have a hard time seeing, you're not going to write real small you write pretty big. And that takes us to the passage in chapter 6, verse 11. He says, Look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Is that because he's having a hard time seeing, or is this his way of texting in capital letters? Like, I want you to hear this very clearly. 
Do not miss what I am saying. It could be the I issue, or it could be the emphasis on what he's trying to say. And here's what he's trying to say in these last few verses that he himself actually pins. It's not a matter of two doctrines that we're talking about. It's a matter of two different ways of life. I saw it on the boat this week. There's literally a way of living your life in freedom and living your life in bondage and hearing the same message. You're either in bondage or you have liberty. You either walk in legalism or you have freedom. You either say this, you either walk by the flesh, which is sin, which is you doing it in your own strength, which is legalism, which is you trying to obey the law. Or, you walk by the Spirit, and you're free, and He comes here to do it for you. There's a big difference in the church. And He's literally now saying, you've got to understand that we're teaching something different. He's literally adds to this list, he's like, Receiving praise from men or giving glory to God. Uh, he's trying to say there's a difference here in that as well. He breaks it down as we break these verses down into the three parts. First, he's talking about the legalist here in these first couple of verses. And then he's going to talk about Jesus Christ. And then he closes out with actually himself. In verse 12, it says... Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Literally what he's saying here is these Judaizers that have come in here, they're more like salesmen. Why, why are they wanting you to be circumcised? Ah. Uh, I'll be very, well, let's just say it. You remember, uh, this probably, Keith, you probably know this better. You study the, the you, you've read about this, not studied, but you've read about this stuff. It's like, uh, when, when did they start doing the whole revivalism thing and having them bow their, heads, bow their heads and raise their hands? Do you remember when that was? So, uh, yeah, if you, there's a couple of books out there that talk about that, but Billy Graham, he would always close with Just As I Am and have you bow your heads and raise your hands or turn in some card, but they would literally come up with a count, and then all the churches started to do that. Remember that? Everybody bow your head, close your eyes, no one looking around. If you prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand? This is the same thing that they were doing with circumcision. Sounds kind of weird, sounds kind of gross, but uh, that's how they got their numbers. 
you go back to uh, David when he wanted to marry Saul's daughter, Michael, back in 1 Samuel. Saul's like, well, you get me a uh, hundred Gentile foreskins and you can have my daughter. That's kind of gross. <laughs> That's real gross. So what does David do? He tries to impress Saul, and he gets 200 foreskins. So there's always been, in, in relationship, Paul's like saying, these Judaizers are no different than what David was doing. It was all about the numbers. How many people can we add to our clan? How many people can we add to what we believe? Yeah, what Paul's saying is great, but hey, let's do this. Let's, let's have an invitation and you come forward and say a specific prayer, and we'll count you on our list. <laughs> their, their, their argument might have gone like this. Yes, of course, Jesus died on the cross, and that is a great example of God's love, but if you want to be saved and really belong to the true Israel, then you must do something more than merely rely on the past event. Yes, Jesus was the Messiah, and he did a lot for us, but now it's up to you to complete what he began. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There's nothing that we can do to complete what Jesus did for us. When he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. He was buried, he rose again, and watch this, he now sits at the right hand of the Father. When he sat, he's saying, I'm done. It's done. You don't have to do anything else. Verse 13, it says, For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. He's condemning them for their dishonesty. He's saying that this is to keep in line with God, what God called us to do, but we all know it's different. Their reverence for the law was only to mask their real goal there of getting their numbers. They would come across as braggarts. They would come across as compromisers. They would come across as persuaders. They literally come across as hypocrites. Verse 14, he says, But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. On the boat, I hated, I, only, I think I only got asked one time this year. I hate the question, how many people attend your church? I hate it. I, I'm telling you right now, uh, when I go home, I take attendance. I do. I, I, when you come in here, I see you. I recognize you. I know you. I have a database, and I go through my database, and I say, mm, the Getchell family was here. The, the Lubker family was here. Duh, duh, duh. And, and that's for my own. One because it puts your name on my list every week. And then I obviously see those who weren't here, and if, 
haven't been here in a while, I can, if the Spirit leads me, say, hey, we're missing you. You all right? Check in on them. But don't ask me what the total number is. I could care less what the total number is. It's more about the individual. I, what does it matter how many people we have in here? And literally, these guys are wanting to count and boast. And Paul's like saying, there's only one thing that matters here. And if you take this letter that we've gone through these last few weeks right here, he's mentioned Jesus Christ 45 times in Galatians. 45, there's only six chapters. That's a third of the passages in Galatians contain some kind of reference to Jesus. And then... He says what's important is the cross. Think about this for a second. You've got the wounds of circumcision, which, okay, that's painful, versus the wounds of the cross. You're going to put those two up against each other? Doesn't even compare. And Paul says right here, What's important to me is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We wear crosses. We collect crosses. Crosses are like the logo of Christianity. Uh, Think about it for a second. The cross was the way of death. It It was a brutal death. In fact, uh, I don't know if there's anything more brutal than what my Savior went through. And this is what Paul's saying. You guys and your your little happy knife-cutter circumcision party don't even come close to comparing what my Christ, my Savior, did on the cross for me. The Latin word is actually crux, which was regarded as an expression that was so rude by the Romans they wouldn't even mention it by name. They couldn't even say the word cross. So they actually came up with another expression as they talked about it amongst the Romans. Hang him on the unlucky tree. They wouldn't even say the word cross. But that word was important to Paul as he described the proper basis for what Jesus Christ did for us. So then you ask the question, why would Paul put glory in the cross? All I'm doing is causing you to, hopefully causing you to think right here. But I believe the reason that Paul took the cross is because he used the cross, it was empty. It was empty. Jesus was no longer on the cross. Christ defeated the cross. He defeated death. He did it. And not only, not, he, if you go back to Galatians chapter 2, not only was Christ crucified, but the world was crucified. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him 
believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And Paul says, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I have been crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. Something in me died. My sinful nature died. And he made me a new creation. We have been crucified, and now we are literally aliens of this world. It's not supposed to make sense to us. Verse 15, it says, For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. He's literally saying, hey, look, if you're going to be a marked man, mark yourself as a new creation. I read to you, it says, the new creation implies a new nature with a new system of desires, affections, and habits, all wrought through the supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. No spiritual gymnastics, no 12-step program on the deeper life, No quick fix on how to be a better Christian seminar can produce this kind of transformation. Paul's emphasis was on the act in affecting a new thing. It's the result of faith working by love and leading to holiness which culminates in a life filled with the Spirit. That's what this group is about. How do you How do you live in that new heart? Man, I'm still figuring that out. How do you live out of this new heart? I'm holy, I'm redeemed, I've been justified, sanctified. I'm a child of God. I've been made perfect, it says in Hebrews. How do I live out of that heart every day? It's a journey and I'm learning. Paul says, you go ahead and take circumcision. I'm going to take the cross. You know, if it was up to me, I, I don't know if I would have taken the cross. I would have taken the, the empty tomb. To me, they're saying, if, if, there, were, if there was a, how do you make a, an empty tomb uh, uh, a symbol for Christianity? To, but to me, that's the whole deal is because he not only defeated death, but he raised again and now we have this new life in Christ. Uh, some say the Levner logo uh, is a form of a tomb. See the cave with the hole and a rock in front of it? You've never seen that before, have you? Uh, to me, that seems like it would be more of the symbol that I would take on than the cross. Jesus raised from the dead. Verse 16, it says this. May peace come to all those who follow this standard, and mercy even to the Israel of God. Paul, he's literally saying, I know I get a little worked up talking about this stuff, but really, I'm only passionate about you and Christ in you. I want you to have peace. I, I get it. I, Paul, I totally get this. It's the same thing. 
We've been sitting in here for 11 years teaching the same message, Paul. I totally get this. If they can just see that there's a God that loves them and lives inside of them and wants to do life for them, oh, Lord, would you allow us to see it? That's the message every single week, isn't it? Paul knew the church stood in great conflict with society because these Judaizers were coming in and trying to tell them different. We're sitting here in 2020, and it's no different today. There's add-ons and add-ons and add-ons. If you want to be a good Christian, here's what you have to do. I know that we will always be in conflict because the evil one is alive and well. He's okay with the church doing mediocre. Right? He's okay. Why, why in the world would he not be okay with add-on laws? Because you don't win at that. If you can sit here and figure out, I have the Spirit inside of me, and the Spirit can live his life through me and do these things for me, there's power in it, there's victory in it, you walk in victory, that's when the evil one gets upset. But if you want to put add-ons on there, I think he's okay with that. Verse 17, it says this, we're coming to the end here. It says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. <laughs> uh, I'm going to quote someone here. Uh, might shock you, but Ricky Gervais. I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, I thought it was one of the most beautiful intros to an awards ceremony if you watch the Oscars or the Golden Globes. But the Golden Globes were a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and his, his intro was beautiful. He's got all of Hollywood sitting in front of him. And here's his closing of his intro. This is like Paul's closing of the book of Galatians. He says, So if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a platform to make a political speech. You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So if you win, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God, and take off, okay? It's already three hours long. Right, let's do the first award. He literally said this to Hollywood. You have no right to say anything because... You don't live in the real world. And this is literally what Paul is saying about the Judaizers. They have no right to teach you this stuff because they're living in their own little system, their own little world. If your religious celebrities have any scars to show for their glory of Christ, then let them be shown. Otherwise, stop bothering me, he says. Just stop. And then his last verse is this. It's like verse 18. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, we're a band together. We're all one. We're one community. We're in Christ, Christ in you. We're together in this thing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.
he says and he closes, grace, not the law, grace, not the law of Moses, grace, not the add-on things, but the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. No more be said. He says it all. Lord, I trust that your word is so true that we can just, one, uh, come to understand it and be at peace with it and that you would reveal it to us so much that we can just enjoy it. That we can just enjoy being free in you and we literally become the light of the world as you've intended. That our lives are different. That people see a different message. They can see past an institutional organization. They can see Christ in us. Lord, that is my prayer. Not just for them, but for me as well. I trust you with that, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.